You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 136. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And in this session, I'm going to explore a little bit more about why it's probably not such a great idea to start with templates and tools when you are setting up a PMO or up-leveling your existing PMO and looking for the right places to add a lot of value quickly with your PMO, whether you need to build credibility, you're just getting started, or you've got to make a shift quickly. I'm going to explain why it's probably not best to start with all those templates and tools. And this is a continuation of a series I started two weeks ago with episode 134, all about the not so obvious places that you might be missing when it comes to services and capabilities you should be doing for your PMO first. This episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on measuring and communicating PMO value. If you know your PMO is generating value, but you just don't see your stakeholders coming along for the ride and realizing how much value you're actually contributing to the organization, I'm going to help you figure out what to measure, how to talk about it, and how to engage your stakeholders most effectively to show just how much value the PMO is contributing to the organization. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash value. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash value and join me for this free training. Okay, let's dive in. Now in episode 134 and 135, I shared with you some not so obvious places that your PMO could be helping the organization, delivering really strong services and capabilities that has nothing to do with fixing the project management process. So I talked about the front end of the strategy delivery cycle in episode 134. And in 135, I talked about the back end of the strategy delivery cycle, where the value is actually realized for the organization and what things you could do to support that from a PMO perspective. And in those episodes, I explained why fixing project management is probably not the place you want to start. And in this episode, I'm going to give you some really practical guidance and reasons why fixing project management is probably not where your underlying problems are. And today we're going to focus specifically on methodology, templates, and tools. Now, this is all a part of a series I'm doing right now, starting with episode 134, to help you find the best places to provide value with your PMO and help you avoid some of the most common mistakes that PMO leaders are making. Because you don't have a ton of time to show results. You don't have a ton of time to build credibility. You don't have a ton of time to make a real difference with your PMO. And in fact, many PMO leaders, even though they are working their tails off to make a difference and show value, even when they are moving the needle, there are still some naysayers in the organization that are going to be pushing back. So it's my mission to arm you with fast action steps you can take to show value and show results and avoid the common mistakes that you frankly don't really have the time to make. Back in episode 134, what we talked about were places that you can make a bigger impact and move the needle faster that have nothing to do with fixing the project management process. 
And today I want to dive into a couple of additional reasons why fixing what we think we're supposed to start with is a real problem and why so many PMOs hit resistance and why so many stakeholders go around the PMO regularly. So imagine this scenario. It might be a scenario you're actually experiencing right now. Your PMO was created to solve problems, right? You were hired to solve specific problems. Now I teach my students a really thorough assessment process so that they don't end up fixing symptoms, but they can actually get to the root causes of the problems that are underlying. But on the surface, what you probably heard was something along the lines of, we need to fix project management. We don't have educated project managers. Maybe we don't even have any project managers. We don't have good process. Projects take too long. They cost too much. I don't know what anybody is doing. I don't know what's going on. Why is this so difficult? Why can't we get our strategy delivered? Let's say you heard those kinds of complaints. So naturally, because you probably, but not definitely, have a background in project management, what are you going to do? You're going to go to your strengths. You're going to hear project management is broken and you're going to want to fix project management. Now in 134, I explained why that's probably not the best idea. And in 135, I showed you some other options in addition to fixing the front end process that you can fix when it comes to actually measuring, communicating value of the strategy delivery process. But here, let's dive in more into that fixing project management problem. You see, when we start the fixing of project management, what do we do? We look at the methodology, we look at tools, we look at templates. We start saying, okay, you clearly don't have a good project management process, so that's why we have problems. Now I debunk all of that in 134 and 135, but let's say you're still not convinced. Here's what happens when you play out the scenario that I was talking about, the scenario where they said project management is broken. We're hiring you to fix project management. Let's say you start doing that. Let me tell you how that story is gonna play out. You're gonna start putting methodology in place. You're gonna have a big focus on templates and process before you've actually shown any value. You're gonna have projects that are actually taking longer and costing more because you've added steps. And you're saying, but we're doing it for consistency's sake. Here's a hint. Nobody actually cares about consistency. What they care about is results. What they care about is reliability. So we say, okay, but we need to have everybody doing things exactly the same way. We need to implement strong process. We need our templates. We need our tools. We need, and what your business leaders are hearing is stuff, stuff, more stuff, and then this stuff. And the problem is they told you to fix project management. So you're like, but this is how we do that. So they don't get me. They don't get the PMO. Eh, that's where you're wrong. The thing is, is that you didn't actually understand what they needed. You translated fixed project management into fixed templates, tools, and process. And it's true. You might not actually have a lot of templates or tools or process, and that could be a symptom, or it could be something that needs improvement. But if you start there, you're going to hit so much resistance, so many challenges. You're going to build a reputation for being box checkers. You're going to hear people say, well, I don't really need to follow your process. You're going to find situations where staff are avoiding the PMO and going around the PMO and around all of your wonderful templates, tools, and process because they're saying, I can do it faster. You see, the real underlying problems aren't probably in the project management process. 
Because you could take, and this is what people used to do before we had so much of these templates, tools, and process. You can take smart people and put those smart people in a room to solve a problem and they don't need a single template to make it happen. The challenge isn't that they are missing templates and checklists because you know what that promotes? That promotes more box checking more going through rote steps as if you are on a factory line. It promotes people not thinking, but just doing rote activities. Now, again, I'm not saying that you never need this stuff. I'm saying you need to be thoughtful about its application. The more you shove people through process, the less they're actually going to be thinking about how they could most effectively solve business problems. Process isn't the be all end all. Templates isn't the be all end all. Of course you have to ask good questions and it's helpful to have templates to do it. But if projects are getting lost in templates and process because you have so much of it, then it's not going to get what your business leaders are actually looking for, which is results. What you run the risk of doing is focusing on creating a bunch of outputs and defining your success by outputs instead of defining your success by outcomes. Now your business leaders define the success of your PMO, the way they measure you is, are you moving the needle? Are you getting the results we want? Are you getting the outcomes we want? And by the way, are the outcomes you're measuring the same as the outcomes they're measuring? When you say outcomes, do you hear, we have great process, we have great templates, everybody followed every step, every deliverable was created, we were on time and on budget. That's not how your business leaders define the success of your PMO. Your value to them is if you are able to help them deliver on the strategy, not if you are able to help make sure that the money is spent in a given period of time and produces a bunch of deliverables. You see the difference? So when you think about methodology, when you think about how you are applying templates and process to the situation, know that you don't need any of that to get smart people to do good work. You can use some of that to help guide people on a journey of a good path forward to get to those results. But if you have not done the work that we talk about in 134 and 135, none of that will even matter because you will spend so much time and energy. And this is a big mistake that PMO leaders make. They'll spend months and months perfecting templates and adding more steps to a process and counting and defining their value in the numbers of templates created, in the number of steps in a process created, in the number of people following this process. But none of that actually shows that the needle has moved. None of that shows that the business is delivering their strategy with a higher return on investment. Okay. So that's the difference. It's not that you don't need all of this stuff ever. It's that if you spend so much time defining your value by creating a bunch of stuff for people to do without first addressing the reason they think project management is broken in the first place, then you're just going to be spinning your wheels because you're going to start getting a lot of resistance because you're making people feel like the work is harder when they're already in an environment where they're having to do too much. Now, here's a hint if you haven't listened to episode 134. The reason that the methodology and the templates and the process stuff doesn't work if you haven't fixed the front end of the process is that you're taking people that already have too many projects on their plate. They have 
too many things they're supposed to be doing. They have unrealistic deadlines. They're being told that everything is a number one priority and they just don't have the resources to be successful. And it's all because the front end of the process is broken. They don't have good project prioritization. They don't have good resource management. They don't have good alignment with strategy. And so then you come in saying, we're going to add more stuff. And they're thinking, are you kidding me? I have 62 projects that my team needs to get done in the next quarter and you want me to add more? So if you want to create space for doing the templates and the methodology and the process, you first have to release the pressure valve of the bad position they're in. When business leaders say fixed project management, it's because they don't understand that their lack of prioritization, their lack of appropriate staggering of projects throughout the year, the lack of effective resource allocation and utilization, and the lack of connection with strategy are probably what's really going on, are probably putting your teams in a position where they can't even see straight, much less function well. So you can't add more stuff, even if it's the right stuff to add. You just can't do it until you have released the pressure and given them some breathing room to be effective. And then when they have the breathing room, when the people that do the project work are allowed to focus on a few things at a time instead of 45 things at a time, you need less of the stuff. You need less control. You need less process. You need less templates. You need less steps to do the work well because you're not having to micromanage a bunch of overly stressed, exhausted, and overworked staff that weren't set up for success in the first place. Now that's the methodology side of all this. That's the templates and process. Now let's add one other component, which is the tools. Now when it comes to implementing tools, I am all about automation. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I never, ever let my clients and students start with tools. And here's why. It's the same problem with methodology and templates and process. If you're taking an overworked team that has way too much on their plate, that is completely unrealistic to handle in the first place, and now you want to give them another tool to learn and another place to put the data, you want to change their system. You may not like their system, but it's how they're scraping by right now based on the total chaos they're working with. And now you're shoving a change at them. So when we start bringing tools into the process, you'll hear things like, this tool's too hard to use. They'll keep the real data out of the system on their desktops or in their own form of reporting. And you'll have a lot of trouble rolling anything up. People will avoid using the tools or they will treat it like it's outside of the process. It's not a part of what we do. Or the tools become so extremely customized because you're trying to be responsive to these teams, right? And they're saying, well, this doesn't work for me. So then you bend over backwards, trying to get it to work for them. And then what happens? It's so customized that all of the efficiencies of automating the administration of project management are out the window. And it actually takes them longer to do what they were just doing on a spreadsheet. Or another scenario that you'll see is that the tool becomes a top priority for you with the PMO. And then what happens? You run the risk of automating a bad process. You run the risk of getting bad results faster. You see what I'm getting at here? If you haven't fixed that front end of the process, if you haven't fixed the things that happen before the project manager is even assigned, then adding a bunch of tools or any tools at all to help, quote unquote, automate things, getting faster at making things worse. 
And you might be thinking, but Laura, I want to use a tool to put good prioritization in place. Okay, sure, you absolutely could. But I'm telling you, the very first thing you should do is run through that process of prioritization on something easy that everybody understands. A whiteboard, an Excel spreadsheet, a simple table. Don't overcomplicate it because you are teaching new behaviors. And when you are teaching new behaviors, you want to make the learning curve as simple as possible. You want them to learn the skill. You want them to know what it feels like to go through the prioritization process, and then you can make it more efficient. But efficiency before effectiveness just leads you to spinning your wheels and getting really efficient at doing things really poorly. And that will be a direct reflection on the PMO. So if you're getting questions about your value, if you're spending time fixing the templates, tools, the process, you better be sure that you're not doing that stuff until you've educated the organization, until you've helped them see where the underlying root cause problems are. You've begun to address those and everybody gets it, not gets project management, gets how they can be better at setting these projects up for success in the first place. So your next action step impact driver is to go look at the services and capabilities that are on your list to implement for your organization. Are they all about fixing project management or are you starting on the front end of the process so that by the time it becomes a project, your project teams are set up for success and look for those places where you're hitting resistance. Are you automating bad process? Are you getting more efficient at doing things poorly? Are you possibly putting so much templates and tools and process and change on people that can't possibly digest it because they're overwhelmed and overworked? If so, fix the overwhelmed and the overworked. Fix that first, and then you will have time to do the right process and tools, which won't have to be so heavy because they're going to be smart people positioned for success just like you are positioning your PMO for success. I can't wait to hear how this episode is helping you make a big impact. Make sure that you join me for my free masterclass on measuring and communicating PMO value for your organization. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash value. And if you love what you're hearing and it's making an impact for you, then definitely let us know by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. So all of your peers know that this is where they go if they want to build an impact engine PMO. Bye-bye for now. 